Welcome to The Coaching Question. This is the podcast for people who want to know more about coaching, how and when to use it, and really, what is it all about? Join me, Sarah Turner, and my colleague, Gregor Finley, two executive coaches for an honest conversation. And in today's episode, we ask the question, why should you bother investing in coaching for head teachers? Now, in this podcast, Gregor, you had a conversation with Kim Gregory, didn't you? Yeah, and, she, and we both know her. I, I think I know her better than better than you. We met her through the Girlfriend Coaches Group, mm-hmm. um, which I touched on at the beginning of the podcast. But a wonderful lady, and she really specialises in coaching in the education sector. She works in public and private schools with head teachers and their leadership teams. And that's and I thought it'd be really interesting to talk to her because this is an area I've done no work in whatsoever. Yeah, so I was I was really interested to listen to your interview with Kim from two perspectives. So I'm a parent, so I have children at school and you know, have been recently grappling with the reality of homeschooling and all the rest of it. So there was that perspective, but also as a as a fellow coach, as you say, I haven't worked in the education sector and to hear Kim talking with such passion about the work that she does, I found quite inspiring. Um, and the, the, the thing that I, I wanted to just share with viewers is, I mean, I have met Kim a few times, but as you say, you know her much better than I do. But the thing that really strikes me with Kim is her beautiful, calm presence. She has a way of talking and a way of being with you that just instantly kind of creates this sense of peace and safety and and a, and a kind of the ingredients for where magic can happen. And you just came up with a lovely analogy just before we recorded this. Do you want to just share what, what that was about your experience of Kim? You should try being coached by Kim because it's a wonderful experience. But I do feel part, part of what she's saying in the podcast is that for a lot of head teachers, they may have lost their passion. Mm. You know, they're very passionate about what they do, but they may have lost that their passion. And what Kim is really good at doing, because she's she is such a compassionate person, is bringing out the potential that is there. Mm. You know, really releasing what is there for people to be the true leader that they can be. And she really believes in people. And when people talk about coaching, releasing potential, I think Kim is just one of those brilliant coaches in that area. And it's very particular, as we hear in the podcast, particularly important in this application area. So the analogy I had is I feel a bit like she's walking through a field of plants and as she brushes past the plants, they start to bloom. Mm, I love that. I totally think that sums her up in a nutshell. And when you you hear some of our testimonials, you know, that's what it's been like for these head teachers to work with Kim, that they've discovered who they can be as leaders, what they're actually capable of. But it's in that context of, as I said, neither you nor I have done work in the education sector. And it's really lovely to hear such an important area for, for this work to be done. Absolutely, absolutely. And even more so than ever with the pandemic and the stress and the pressure that the schools have been under. So anyway, probably uh, we should let people listen to this brilliant interview that you do with Kim. Excellent. I hope everybody enjoys it. So hi, Kim. How are you today? Hello, Gregor. I'm good. Thank you. And you? I'm very good. And what I was, I was looking at your LinkedIn profile and you've been coaching for even longer than me. You've been coaching <laughs> since 1998. <laughs> yeah. 
it's true it's true and I've been coaching head teachers since 2009 so yeah it's all a long time and all an absolute joy well we met through the uh, Guildford coaching group which you founded or helped found Yes, I did. Co-found it with uh, Angela O'Connell in 2007. And I'm delighted that it continues to thrive even now, 13 years later. Yeah, it's a wonderful group. So if any coaches are in the uh, Guildford area, um, they should definitely come along, check us, check it out on the, on the web. Other thing that I noticed on your LinkedIn profile, which people should check out, is that you do work with all sorts of people but one of the things you do is head teachers mm. and that's what I would like to talk to you about today and what our listeners would be interested in is because it's a particular section of the community that I've had no experience at all coaching with and the question I would like to ask you is really why should a head teacher want to invest in coaching for themselves or for their staff where does coaching fit into the you know the education remit really? I see head teachers as pretty much like any other senior leader that you or I would work with in that they're enabling, supporting, inspiring, challenging hundreds of staff, many of them professional, very bright, highly qualified people. And they're trying to collaborate with many and varied stakeholders and they're trying to build a and in an inspiring vision of the future. So they're much like any other senior leader. But what I think I do notice that's more emphasised within this context is that they have gone into this role to serve people. They believe passionately in how education can transform lives and they believe passionately in the joy of learning and achieving your potential. And with that comes, I think, three particular challenges. One is about leading strategically, because everybody can fall into the trap of managing rather than leading. But I think if you're driven to serve, it can be a bit easier to fall into the trap of helping that child dealing with social services, whatever, whatever, and forget that actually you need to step back and see the vision of this organisation and lead strategically and get out of the way of other people. So I think strategic leadership is important. So what I'm hearing there is the, the vocational element. It's, it's a driver. It's a real thing, the, the passion, the, the enthusiasm, but that can be interference for their part of the role because they can get so caught up in the educational element that they forget about their leadership element, the strategic leadership element. Absolutely. And although they do have developmental opportunities, and there's lots of training and courses, etc., and some of them are called leadership, but in my experience, many of them are much more focused on senior management activities rather than genuine leadership. So, we're filling a gap, really, in terms of their experience. And the second thing I would say is that often these people are trying to lead in ways that don't really fit their personality and their strengths. They're trying to lead because they're doing it in the way that their predecessor did it, or their colleagues doing it, or they've been told to do it. And part of our work is for them to uncover, what's my style of leadership? Who am I? 
Yeah. And when am I at my best? So how do I bring myself to this particular area of leadership rather than it being done out of a textbook? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so many parents think they know how to be a head teacher as well. So there's lots of projection <laughs> from uh, their stakeholders on do it this way. So, yeah, it's really important they understand who they are and how they might lead. The, the third one I think that comes up a lot is that they're generally hugely compassionate and empathic people. They they feel for their staff, they feel for those students, they feel for the parents, and they completely forget to look after themselves. Right. Okay. So are you dealing with quite a lot of burnout then? Yes. You must have to deal with the systemic nature of this because I hadn't thought about the impact of parents, as stakeholders, parent boards. I can't remember what they're called now. I don't have children, so that's another thing. where I'm, I'm not connected to the school system at all because I don't have children. But this must be a real systemic nature because you've not only got the parent side of it with the pupils, but you've also got government <laughs> really selling huge strictures that I would imagine as educators, they actually disagree with a lot of what the, the government is saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. And my my very first head teacher client back in 2009, he ostensibly came for coaching because he said, we've just been certified as being an outstanding school. So clearly I have some idea how to get a school to outstanding. I have no idea how to keep it at outstanding. It's still at outstanding all these years later, by the way. So he clearly did know how to do it, but that's what brought him. But in actual fact, during our coaching time together, we explored how he's, how frustrated he was by governmental directives and the decisions that they were making, the influence they were having and blah, blah, blah. But he, a part of our coaching was about, well, how are you going to influence governmental decisions. How could you do that? How could you be a bigger voice? How could you make sure that your your opinions, your experience, your outstanding capabilities are being heard locally, regionally, and uh, in the government? And absolutely, that's what's happening now. Right. So I'd imagine there's a real thing about with a lot of uh, head teachers is, is dealing with this maybe a feeling of powerlessness when they're not actually powerless but they maybe they feel powerless when they come into coaching. What's popping up for me here and you say powerless is I'd say the most common sense is of I've lost my passion it's it's left me <laughs> because there's so much of this stuff coming at me that doesn't resonate with me, doesn't sit well with my values. And I'm beginning to just lose my enthusiasm, my leaping out of bed in the morning. Yeah. And sometimes, of course, the right thing for that person to do is to say, it's time for me to find another career. But mostly those people, and I think that's what you're alluding to with your question, discover that they have more power, more influence than they realised. And actually it's about, I'm going to use one of your words, Gregor, about pivoting their focus and realising that actually there's so much I can be and do in this situation where I can make a difference. Quite often I take it back to that very simple thing about the Timothy Goldway equation, mm. performance equals potential minus interference. And I imagine that there must be quite a lot of interference from this whole 
this notion of pedagogy, that there's a right way to do something. Like you picked up earlier on, maybe there was interference that they're trying to do things the right way mm. rather than their way is the right way. Um, do you see that? Again, what's popping up for me is remembering um, working with somebody who had been applying to become a head teacher and had been unsuccessful on more than one occasion. And when we explored what was happening, they were going into the interview, which is quite a big deal. Becoming a head teacher, the process of the interview is a day and you move from interview panel to interview panel to interview panel, doing different things and presentations, all the rest of it. It's a big deal. And that this person was spending so much energy being somebody that they thought the governors wanted them to be. And it wasn't a successful strategy. And I think part of the joy of coaching is enabling those would-be head teachers and head teachers to realize that what they are right now is more than good enough. And to go into those interviews being the best of you, but genuine you. And if that doesn't fit the school, well, great, because that wouldn't be the right set of trustees for you to work with. Go in and be yourself and be yourself with these people. And if that doesn't always work out, well, it's a lot easier ride than permanently and every day in your 60, 70 hour weeks pretending to be somebody that you're not. Really hearing the the passion in your voice and you're clearly really enthused by this. I'm wondering if you, in some ways, get more satisfaction about the work you do in education <laughs> than the work you do in other places. You've picked up correctly that my favourite place to be is working with head teachers and deputy head teachers, and yeah, I, I just love it. And is that because you're? Is it more about helping people people be themselves, or is it about the impacts that you help them make? There is no question that I'm very mindful when I'm working with them that if they can be happy, relaxed, productive, inspired, all of that creative, in touch with themselves, then they will have a massively positive impact on their leadership team. And that has a fantastic impact upon the students and the staff. So I'm really mindful of that. And it's really obvious because most of the time I'm meeting these people in their schools. So yeah, it's really good. I do also like working with other public services too, for the same reason. What also stands out with head teachers, of course, is that they don't need any persuasion around the value of learning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought of that, of course. Yeah, whereas quite often the corporate setup, you know, the people will not have those same values around learning. I mean, I, I find it in my team coaching in particular, you know, there, if you look at the team's operating rhythm, there's nothing built in around learning. Mm. And that's one of the reasons they're not performing so well. But I imagine that within the operating rhythm in a school, that there must be space for the staff to learn. Definitely. And most of those heads at some point will say, can you come in and either coach members of my team or come and do an inset day presentation on X or whatever? Because they just have a passion for learning for themselves, but they have a passion for everybody else to learn too. And it's a joy to be around that commitment. Yeah, I've, I've, in fact, I'm feeling quite jealous. <laughs> Come and join um, me. <laughs> well, you know, I, I mean, I, I do uh, and I do a lot of work. Well, most of our work's in the, in the corporate space, but I'm wondering, is there anything for coaches who listen to this to learn from educational coaching? Is there anything that you've learned from coaching and education that you've been able to take into the corporate space? I'm wondering 
if I'm quicker now at two things. One is picking up that notion of, you know, that skill you've got in compassion and empathy for everybody else. What would you be like if we could pivot that to yourself? Because there are so many people, aren't there, Gregor, out there who don't even, haven't even come across the concept of self-compassion, let alone practice it. So I think I'm possibly quicker Mm. at picking up those signals that there's some work to be done there. And perhaps the other thing is that I'm much more challenging now than I used to be around acting bigger, playing a bigger game on a on a bigger pitch than I was previously. I don't know why that's come from education particularly, perhaps because there have been some examples, some successful examples of our work leading to people going, yeah, I'm going to stop feeling a victim of this system, if they ever did use that word, but I'm going to stop feeling that I'm a recipient of the system and instead I'm going to go out there and I am going to start calling some shots. Think of who I know who's influential and how do I contact them and how do I get on those groups I see other people in that are having an influence. Start thinking about how they can make a difference instead of just feeling, oh, I'm stuck in this situation. So being themselves more, having more of an impact, owning, I was thinking it's something about being yourselves and then basically making a bigger impact and, and owning that. That sounds to me, like, what's happening. Yeah, I would agree. Thank you for putting it so succinctly. Well, so definitely some lessons there for me, I think, to take back into the corporate space. And, um, yeah, maybe offline, not in this conversation, but maybe um, we have a conversation I'd love to uh, to maybe do some work in that educational space. So I realise, because all my work's pretty much commercial, my question was commercial in terms of, you know, why would a head teacher invest in coaching? It sounds like they're quite up for it because they want education. Mm, mm. And the hard bit, surprise, surprise, is the money. Um, because to pay for coaching in any organisation can be tricky, can't it? Because people have to budget for it and get that signed off, etc. And in public services, well, they've experienced pressures for so long now, it can be really difficult to find any money. And because of what I was saying earlier on about them being in public service and wanting to serve others, having huge amounts of empathy and compassion, they can forget that actually getting themselves, spending the money to get themselves into the right mindset and exuding the right behaviours and thoughts and feelings, etc., can be so beneficial to the school. It can feel selfish to them to invest in themselves. So you kind of, within education, you've got the double whammy of not very much money around, if any, and then these lovely people saying, I'm not important enough. So it is a bit of a double whammy. So it's especially exciting when people come and say, okay, I have managed to carve out a small budget and I I would really think this is important. But unfortunately, very often what happens is they come quite late in the day when things have got really difficult, uh, perhaps with trustees or with the executive head or whatever. They can leave it a bit late. We can still deal with it, but they've been through trauma to get to this period very often. So it's like that learning that proper selfishness, you know, the thing in the in the aircraft, you have to put the oxygen mask on for yourself first before you can actually, you know, put the oxygen mask on the child. It sounds like they, they have to go through quite often that they're struggling and not being able to actually do the work 
because they're suffering hypoxia and they eventually get the mask on and then they see the value of the oxygen. And often actually where it comes from is I'll be working with another head and they might just casually mention when I was working with my coach and that's the other head who hasn't got a coach will go, oh, I didn't, I didn't know we could do such a thing. So heads telling other heads, being upfront about their coaching can make it okay for others to, well, they normalise it, don't they? They're normalising coaching. Gives them permission. Kim, I have really enjoyed, um, I'm looking at the time and I'm thinking I could keep on talking about this topic for ages because I think it's fascinating. Thank you for taking the time. So Kim, I'm thinking about a, a couple of questions. If I was a head teacher and where might I start thinking about coaching? And also if I was a coach and I was interested in education, where might I start? Would you be able to answer those two questions? Mm. If I was a head and I was thinking about coaching, I guess there are various options because lots of schools now do have HR people. So you could talk to them about that or you could ask. I think typically what heads do is ask other heads and lots of heads are members of organisations. They could ask them. So, So there are various places they could go and obviously they can look online or they can contact me, kim at evolveleadership.co.uk. And for a coach, sorry, who's um, looking to get into education, again, they can contact me on kim at evolveleadership.co.uk. As you've heard, I'm very passionate about it and I have an abundance mentality around it rather than a scarcity. I don't see people as competitors. I see them as collaborators. So I'd be happy to explore what it is about education that is attractive to them and how they might get started. Yeah. And of course, I know you collaborate with Charlie Worzowski. I have difficulty saying his surname properly, but I I do know that you do collaborate. So we will put all your contact details in the show notes uh, so people can uh, get in contact with you. And Kim, I just thank you very much for taking this time today. Be part of the coaching question. Absolutely. A pleasure. Thank you so much for asking me. I really enjoyed talking about something that I'm very passionate about. So thank you for thanking me, but it genuinely was a pleasure. Thanks, Gregor. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the show in this interview with Kim Gregory. We appreciate any feedback that you have for us. We're keen to respond to any questions you have about using and implementing coaching in organisations. So please email us on info at thecoachingquestion.com. We'll put any details in the show notes as usual. And please do give us a rating on iTunes. It really does help us spread the word to a wider audience. So we're really grateful when we get those reviews. And we have been very happy to get some pretty good ones. Hope you've enjoyed the show and see you next time. Thank you.